All right. Anyways, good to meet you, man. By by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. So my name uh, my name is Griffin. Obviously, you're aware of that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just found your stuff. You know, like political stuff's going viral obviously all the time now and since you do quite a bit of that or at least a fair bit of it um yeah saw your stuff started following and super interesting not too many people talk about uh, canadian real estate so yeah yeah it's kind of a, a niche subject for sure i think the reason why we're even hopping on this call griffin is he's been in, in youtube for a long time i've seen your stuff like three four five years ago i think so it's uh it was funny when you yeah, messaged us on, on the instagram there where uh, i was like oh i know this guy and uh yeah basically you know what do you do um who are you and uh yeah welcome to the show thank you for having me yeah so like i said my name is griffin milks i'm from the uh ottawa region so the capital of canada actually on the quebec side though so it's a it's a dual city kind of split by a, a river so i live on the quebec side which kind of gives me a different perspective on uh the real estate market here because it's literally Quebec versus Ontario. So very, very different markets, even though they, they share the same sort of amenities. Uh, I have been doing YouTube now for over five years, but full time about three years. I actually quit my, my job at the government back during the pandemic. It was something I always wanted to do and then had the opportunity to do that when I uh, actually my, my, my channel started taking off. And then also throughout that period, investing in real estate and now have a nice little portfolio and doing some like really active projects, which is going great. So, so yeah, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking about uh, real estate and thanks whatever else. Estate. Yeah. To talk about. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I think uh, like where we always talk about on Instagram is like where Canada is heading and kind of like the troublesomes that we see the bad advice out there and just taking a different perspective. I think, too many people, especially real estate agents, just hop on this bandwagon that um, real estate only goes up. Um, there's no investment. Sorry, there's no risk. The best time to buy was yesterday. And, you know, if you if you miss the boat, you're screwed sort of thing, uh, which I think has been in a sense, it's been kind of true since, um, you know, people always say, well, you're just going after Justin Trudeau, blah, blah, blah. It, did, it doesn't matter what political party is in. It matters that the fact is that house prices have doubled since 2015 in Canada. And if you think about house prices doubling, it means that it's doubled on leveraged money. So money people have borrowed. So people have made a lot of money if you've got into the market uh, 2015 or sooner. So I guess for sure, where we always talk about is kind of the, the you know irresponsibility of the government. And, you know, a part that always bothers me is that they just can't say, hey, you know, they just capped foreign students. They can't say, hey, that was our fault. We should have been way on top of that. They kind of just make it seem like, oh, now we're coming to save you when they created the problem. So I guess my, my long winded question here is like, what do you see going on uh, right now politically with Canada and especially with a focus on housing? Politically. So usually I really don't try to actually provide like my particular political insight on why things going on. I just kind of react maybe sometimes on my channel to, to what I think that could impact even my own investments or, or my viewers. So from the standpoint of how do I think the current political landscape is affecting real estate? Of course, it, it has affected it. Now, at this point, though, I always just try to look at the longer game of how is this going to affect my acquisitions and how am I able to actually 
move within this market and still make a profit because like you said yeah the, the price of properties is doubled for most people it's on leveraged money and stuff which is also still the case for me and my partner by the way i invest with with my partner 50 50 on everything so for us we're always trying to look at how are we able to still pull a profit despite these really difficult times that's obviously going to be quite difficult or, or different i should say than someone who's entering the market to be an investor or even worse someone who wants to buy a house to be their primary residence which yeah now it's completely um it's completely impossible for most people under the age of 35 who don't make 150k alone or with a with, with a partner to actually get into the market so so you know swimming back to that i'm not necessarily going to comment on how i think justin trudeau is doing well or not well i you know, I'm not a liberal straight up. I'll just say that. So obviously we, we can we can get information from that as to, to what I think that, that the current party and leadership ha has done to this country. But you can either look at it from a really bleak standpoint of like everything's going to shit, which is really easy to do in, in Canada right now. You go online and everything's just negative. Or even though that is usually the case, just trying to, to move on and try to take advantage of Canada that still has tons of opportunities. You just need to think outside of the box and do it in a different manner. You know, just going out and buying a cash flowing triplex for, you know, 300K isn't, isn't doable anymore, but how are you able to actually implement something that will work? So it doesn't really answer your question fully, but it's a good uh, starting point for, for the rest of the conversation. Yeah, no, it is yeah. a good starting point. So I guess when you say, you know, a cash flowing triplex, what do you focus on and, and what areas are you buying in? So, so that's the thing, right? Like talking about real estate across Canada, like Canada is such a large country with fully different cultures, let alone individual markets. Like Vancouver has absolutely nothing to do with Montreal or Ottawa or, or Toronto, even though we like to, to lump everything together. So for me, I've always bought everything in Gatineau, everything. And the reason being for that is quite simple. A, uh, definitely very lucky to have come from this region. So I know it like literally like the back of my hand. I've grew up here my whole life and that's invaluable, you know, knowing your market. I've had opportunities to invest outside, but I've always been weary of it because I simply don't know the market. So for me, knowing how involved it is real estate investing and how my team of real estate brokers, uh, you know, property manager, contractor, all that thinking about going and starting that once again in a market I don't know is honestly kind of off-putting. It's not something I won't ever do, but for now, as I'm building up the foundation of my portfolio, that would be like starting back to, to square one, like literally, because my team is everything. Like I just kind of oversee stuff with my partner, but if it wasn't for everyone else, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So so to answer your question, I've only ever invested in Gatineau and triplexes now. It's definitely a cheaper market than anywhere in Ontario or BC, but it's still a lot more expensive than it was, like you said, three, four, even three years ago, literally, um, right before the pandemic. So like a triplex now that needs tons of work is still going to be half a million dollars, which probably seems like nothing to you. But a brand new one that's optimized is going to go for a million bucks, you know, wow. so yeah yeah so uh no well yeah, so, yeah. i mean it, you're right it, it you know i hear 500k i'm like oh that's, that's pretty good for a triplex but like you said it, it needs work and stuff like that so when you start looking at the numbers that's like a triplex that needs 200k at work you know yeah and then you have to so. look at um the tenant base in gatineau so what what's that like like what what's going on in gatineau where you're like you feel confident in the job market the economy there and uh it makes you want to buy real estate 
Yeah, you know, people who are going to listen to this who aren't from the capital region are definitely going to roll their eyes, and I totally get it. But this area is, it's it's backed by JT, you know, always has been, even before JT was in power, it's backed by him. The average income here is much higher than anywhere else. Like, average income per capita is much higher here than anywhere else in Canada, really, on a relative basis for, for everyday people, because of the the government jobs which is crazy uh truly like like i said i used to work for the government and i saw that's a whole other can of worms as to the efficiency and all that but the bottom line is hundreds of thousands of people in this region of 1.2 million work for the federal government oh, and wow, make that. 70k a year or more yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah 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 we I don't really want to get into politics because yeah, it just yeah. gets my blood boiling and it's very <laughs> polarizing. But yes, uh, last I checked, I'm pretty sure three three hundred thousand people who live in this region work for the government of Canada, and these aren't people making fifty k. This is yeah. seventy five to one hundred and fifty full benefits, full pension, and work from home most of the time. So you know, <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> so as a result of that. Yeah, no, literally. So as a result of that, well, the real estate market is a lot more stable here than it could be in other regions because that's the industry here. It's that construction and accounting accountants for all the construction companies and the people, you know, who work at uh, at the government. So that's really one of the reasons why I, I've invested here on top of really just knowing this region really well myself. Um and uh, how is it though like tenant base it's uh mostly immigrants honestly like when i started investing it was um i'm not gonna say like canadians but it, it was people who you know grew up here essentially and now i would say 95 percent of the tenants that we're getting applications for and then also accepting uh, are people who are new to the country in the past year or two literally okay. so it's it's a very changing dynamic 100 yeah who are you seeing come through? Is it, um, are they coming to work for the government? Like what kind of jobs are they scooping up uh, when they come? Like they're not non-permanent residents? You know, yeah, the jobs themselves, I wouldn't be able to, to, to tell you because most of all our leasing is done uh, by a leasing agent. So we're not the ones like interviewing everyone and doing the credit checks, you know, just to be transparent here. However, um, it's a lot of, in Quebec, because it's a French speaking province, it's a lot of, uh, immigrants from African countries as well as Haiti. Uh, so they come here and then they speak French. So they just move here instead of Ontario or whatever because they're okay. French native yeah, speaking yeah, individuals. Yeah. So it's a very different, like, for example, in the GTA, I know it's a lot more uh, you know, like Indian or Middle Eastern people who, who go there. For sure. uh, that's really not the case in Quebec, like at all, at all. Yeah. There's no Indian people who come and mm. live here at all. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. big part of that is, is, is Brampton for sure. I think that's a big appeal for a lot of, a lot of people. And I feel like, yeah, if you're going to move to uh, Canada and you are, you do speak French, like why would you come to Ontario really? You know, <laughs> unless I guess if you went to Ottawa, and, and the price of, of rent and real estate's cheaper. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. 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 No, no, you're good. It's yeah. also quite a bit cheaper. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a, let's say for example, a two bedroom in my region not counting Ottawa, like a two bedroom brand new that we will have done is maybe 16, 1700 bucks for a wow. brand new build versus yeah, yeah. that in the GTA is literally 3,500 bucks or more. Yeah. Maybe, you, you, know? can, you can, you can so. see the gardener just out my window there. So <laughs> this, oh, uh, can I? Okay. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Fort York, so I'm right in the thick of things, but yeah, about a, a two bedroom, two bath is, is close to, 
close to 3,200 bucks a month. So it's not, uh, it's not there cheap. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big, a big thing in Toronto too, that, uh, we're seeing is about 50% of condo owners are investors and investors usually okay. take, they usually take variable rates because it's easier to get out of the deal. If you need to, sorry, if you need to sell the place, there's less of a penalty. Usually that was kind of like what yeah. happened in the long run. But now if you buy a condo right now in Toronto, you are so cash flow negative by the time you add in condo fees. Um, even you pay land transfer twice in Toronto. So I do wonder oh, do you? if, That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you pay provincial oh, and you okay. pay city and they just raised um, property tax in Toronto as well. So they're, cause they have a huge, they have a they huge did the deficit. Same here. Yeah, yeah. They have a huge deficit here. So, um, so just I, for I, sake of example, like let's say a million dollar triplex, how much would the land transfer slash welcome tax be on that give or take ballpark on like uh, a million dollar property? You're probably looking at 40 K. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah. Roughly 40 K. Yeah. Okay. No, here on a million bucks, it'd probably be half, half that. Yeah. 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 That that's that's pretty standard through like other um other places in Ontario. It's just Toronto has the double land transfer tax. Okay. So if you go out and of that city, was implemented recently? Uh no, that, that's been there for a while. But Toronto historically has cheaper okay. property tax. Like if you go to, you know, Oakville or Burlington, which is just outside Toronto, you'll just pay uh provincial yeah. tax. So yeah, it'll be up on a million bucks, it's about twenty grand. Okay. Roughly, yeah. So. so pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, right? Cause people are, you, you tell them that and they're like, Oh my God, I got a, an extra 20 K I just got to come up with to, uh, to move into a house. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Housing is expensive. So to come back to condos, cause that's what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never like really analyzed condos that much cause it's just never as an investment opportunity at least um i looked a bit when i was looking for a house to a place to live but as an investment never really looked into that um just because one door one tenant you know really expensive on a relative basis per door like even over here a condo's 300k minimum you know and that's one door so i usually look at it as a per door price type of thing if you're buying a triplex and it's 900k well that's back to the 300k however you have added fixed costs that are split among three units you know versus the one although that doesn't really count for the condo because it's condo fees but that also racks up a lot so right now in toronto for example um if you were to buy a condo you said it's highly cash flow negative what are we talking here like losing a thousand two thousand a month yeah you're probably on, a, on one condo or yeah, you're probably losing about fifteen hundred bucks a month right now. Like if you buy a one bedroom kind of in Toronto in Liberty Village, you can probably yield about twenty five, twenty six hundred. But by the time you get a mortgage, even with twenty percent down, you're yeah. you're probably four grand all in. So you are you're losing about yeah, fifteen hundred okay. bucks rough. a month. Yeah, with with condo fees, so it is not an attractive place to uh, to invest. Obviously, with these high interest rates. Um, I guess, yeah, let's pivot there. What do you think about interest rates, um, going forward and even inflation? Yeah. So for interest rates, no one really knows ultimately speaking with my mortgage brokers, cause I speak with them all the time. It's kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning where you were saying most, uh, most real estate professionals like brokers it's always the time to buy you know so in their industry it's kind of the same thing well it's you know it might come but at the end of the day no one ultimately knows i think over the next year they're probably going to start dropping from a commercial standpoint they've already dropped a lot with cmhc we just did a couple uh financings with cmhc and they've come off like a point and a half 
Um, so, so that's obviously nice because when it starts, um, when it starts moving from a commercial standpoint, that's usually a precedent for, uh, for residential as well. I think over the next year, we'll probably see prices, uh, Sorry, I think we'll start seeing interest rates coming back down. However, I think that's actually going to have a negative impact on most people's ability to buy, right? Like most people are always thinking that it's not the right time to buy. However, you know, four years ago, we were buying overpriced properties. They were overpriced, to be quite honest, but let's say 600K for a, for a triplex, but our rate was like 2% versus right. now we're buying one right now. The rate is more than double that however the property is like 500k but the actual price on a on an ongoing monthly basis is more expensive so i think as soon as canada's in a really like fucked up place as soon as the price points come sorry the interest rates come back down i'm absolutely certain of the fact that the prices of actual real estate are going to start going back up again which is just going to continue exacerbating the problem even further even though we've 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 seen, you know, immigration levels starting to come to a halt. You were talking about the immigration of like foreign students and all that. Truly, I think damage for years has already been done from an actual supply and demand standpoint. It's yeah. just that's just the reality of things. Every time we put a place up for for lease, we have dozens upon dozens of people applying. And this is in like a B market. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I think, I, th I think the problem is going to take years. And I don't think like there's no magic pill. You know, I don't think Polyev coming into power is going to change it anytime soon either. No. This is years of damage, seriously, and without being too bleak. No, no, you're, I think you're totally right. It's years and years of damage where, yeah, like you said, even if Polyev comes in, there's so much that needs to be done, right? Like you have to build so many homes. Like you, you let in 1.2 million people last year when we had a housing crisis and yeah. we only built about 240,000 homes. So, you know, you, you look at those numbers, you're like, wow, that's like 10 X yeah. the amount of people we let in. Um, and now what you see is, is political theater, right? You see people upset. Now Canadians are like, I, I can't live anywhere. Like I can't rent anywhere. I can't do any of these things. And people always say to me like, yeah. well, if you're bearish on real estate, then why are why do you sell it? And I'm not bearish on real estate. What I'm saying is I don't think that getting gains of 52% in two years is healthy. So I I just say I think it's going to be a good store well, of value. Yeah, that, that's my opinion. I think it's, it's not healthy for. Mm -hmm. My apologies. Continue. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying 52% from an, uh, from a natural, it's not natural, but in, in terms of real estate terms, natural appreciation of 52K, definitely not healthy and mm -hmm. completely unsustainable and has been. I think if you're someone like, like me, for example, who's coming in and doing massive renovations, then yeah, you can expect 100, 200% return in a year or two, but that's not investing anymore. It's just not, it's it's a business, pure and simple. So I don't even consider what I do the same game at all because it's all a numbers game for me and it's stuff that can be calculated. For the average person who you know bought a house back in 2010 and now it's doubled or more than double in value, that's definitely unsustainable and has been and we you know we've seen it we've seen it slow down but yeah the damage has definitely been done and you said 200 and some k homes have been built uh, you know one point some mil have come in obviously a lot of these people are going to be living together it's not just individual people so we can probably slash that down to the number of homes needed by at least half because most people are at least two or two to four and most immigrants actually have a lot more children than, than canadians 
But even still, the problem is definitely there. And especially when you're seeing, especially when you're seeing inefficiencies at the municipal level, like I definitely don't think that the federal government has done a good job. However, at the end of the day, it's a lot of municipalities that are making the issue a lot harder, right? I'm, I wouldn't call myself a full-blown developer, but you know, I add units, I build places. So, you know, I, I'm trying to contribute to the problem. Well, sorry, to the solution. Yeah. And when it, when it takes two years to get a, a permit, and I'm not making this up, when it takes two years to get a permit to add units to, to buildings or to get, you know, soil tests done, and then it goes back to the CMHC, and then it goes back to the ARC, and then it goes back to the city, and then blah, 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 and it goes on and on. I mean, how are you supposed to be efficient? Like, literally, how are you supposed to be efficient? I know it's a lot better in Ontario, actually. You can, you know, like subdivide units a lot easier and stuff. In Quebec, it's brutal. And in a lot of cities as well. I made a video not too long ago looking at the average of, well, this was one of the elements speaking about, looking at the average time it took in across Canada to get a building permit. It's a year and a half. Wow. You know, that's massive. That, that's huge, you know, so that completely not only the money and capital standpoint for new people that are younger and wanting to get into the real estate market and by real estate market, I mean, adding units, being a developer, it, it's such a turnoff to think, you know, I, I have a long term vision for this. So that's fine. But it's such a turnoff for most people who are wanting to get into real estate. They can't buy a turnkey property. It's cash flow negative. So then they might want to buy a, a turd that they can renovate, but then, or add units to, but then they're supporting the building for years and maybe going bankrupt in the time being. So what ends up happening in my region, for example, and it's like this in most of Canada, it's multimillionaires and people who have huge businesses and companies that build 80% of the stock. You know, there's no more just small people. So it's becoming really problematic. Like it's it's really tough and there's no short term solution to it. And every municipality is different. So how can the federal government come in and help each individual municipality? That's that's a huge, huge problem. And that that needs solutions that I don't have answers to. But you would hope that the people in power, that that's their job, would spend time thinking about it. But they just clearly don't. And whenever I think about it, it just gets me really pissed. And my girlfriend's like, man, you're so negative. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to concentrate on what I can do, which yeah. sounds really, you know, selfish and self-interest. But at the end of the day, like watching all this unfold, there's nothing I can do for that other than vote in the next election. All I can do is try to benefit my own business and the people that I'm impacting in my community, you know, right. which at the end of the day, that's what it is real estate like people hate on landlords and builders but at the end of the day it's these individuals providing housing and building more housing so yeah it's uh it, it's a really complicated multifaceted issue for sure yeah that that's actually a very good point that people don't touch upon is you know people are always like landlords are greedy or blah 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 and all you're trying to do really is is find an investment opportunity and create more units where people will build more homes. Like I always say, no <laughs> one's no one's complaining about Apple stock and Apple making a bunch of money because you you use their products and you love their products, right? You're getting their products, you're using them. You don't care that they have a you know trillion dollar valuation or whatever. Um, exactly. And it's just, it should be the same thing with housing. Like, yeah, developers should make a lot of money if they provide a scarce resource. So the fact that you just it's said because... that. No, you yeah, it's because housing is a very sensitive topic because it's where people live so at the end of the day when people look at it from the standpoint of why should a landlord own 400 doors there's an argument to be made there for sure 
right? But at the end of the day, the entire housing stock, every single unit, every single apartment, every single house that anyone's sitting in right now was built by an entrepreneur, a developer at some point over the past 150 years in Canada. And to think that these individuals should do it for free or for no gain is, is crazy. The amount of risk, capital risk, stress and opportunity cost that developers go through to build units is massive. And most people don't understand that. Um, you know, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on bad deals. I've made a lot more in different deals and the goal is to continue building, but most people wouldn't be able to stomach that. And it's really hard. So going and being like developers should are, are evil and shouldn't actually, you know, pull a profit on what they're doing is crazy. That's what a capitalist economy is. It's yeah. risk reward and putting yourself out there and actually trying to provide value. <laughs> Pure, plain and simple. You know, that, that's how I see it. Yeah, the government's not gonna is not gonna save us, right? They're not gonna make enough housing where you have then you have to get the private market involved. And to get the private market involved, you need to incentivize them to take risks like you're doing, exactly. you know, give them better loans, uh, you know, speed up permit times, all these things. Like you're still in an environment where permits are so slow. Like you just said two years, like two years of like opportunity missed. Yeah, like one to two, two years. years of, you know, sure. carry, overhead, all those things. Like most people can't conceptualize that. But when you start talking about it, most people would listen to that. They're like, I want to become a real estate investor. They'd hear you speak and they'd be like, okay, maybe I, maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe buying the S&P 500 is a little bit easier every month than it is to become a real sure. estate investor. So yeah, I think we need to get rid of that capitalist. Oh, they're just out to steal from us. They're taking all the housing kind of argument. Um, especially if you're adding units, like, I think that's like so important as an investor. Like if you're taking a, a exactly. duplex and making a triplex, like you just created one more home for a family to live in or a couple to live exactly. in. Like, that's, that's an important thing for people to wrap their mind around. Yeah, that, that's how I see it at least. So, so, so yeah, to get back to the, the root uh, question here, I definitely think there's a lot of damage that can be done. I am not a politician and I'm not paid to to take time to think about this and try to implement solutions. But it definitely is frustrating and demoralizing seeing those those clips, you know, online, which which to be fair, it might be biased depending on what, where you're seeing it from and things might be cut in a certain way to 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 um, to convey a certain narrative. But at the same time, it just looks like an absolute joke, the whole thing. And there's absolutely no real uh, leeway that's being made like there, there's no actual advancement <laughs> you know it's it's really tough and yeah. it's not just sometimes when i talk about that in my youtube videos people will be really quick to be like oh you're, you're so negative or you're contributing to the problem and it's like look this isn't just a maybe this is happening you know you can see a a video online and and make an opinion out of it but when you are actually in the industry and you see it unfolding in front of your own eyes yeah, I'm able to actually comment on it from a, a, a factual standpoint that, yeah, it took a year and a half for this one project to get approval because of one foot of grass beside the property line. Like, are you kidding me? You know, like these types of things shouldn't happen. And, you know, it, it's also... A lot of my friends and family find it really like annoying. I'm like a broken record because I'm always talking about the U.S. and how efficient it is. And uh, social social issues aside, from a, a capitalist standpoint, and actually having the country 
you know, evolve at a much quicker pace. I go to the US all the time. I was in Florida less than a month ago. It's mind blowing how much more efficient things are mm. on every level of your life, taxation, the infrastructure, the amount of, of property stock, the price of properties. Yeah. And then you come back here and you're like, why, wait, why am I coming back here and paying 750K for a house? It's truly a question that a lot more people are asking themselves and people are starting to really consider, you know, is this actually worth it? Truly. Yeah. Um, Just to speak to numbers on that too, you had uh, over 400,000 Canadian born citizens leave the country last year. And then not to mention- Like we get DMs all the time. And like, this is where you say, like, it's important to understand things when you're actually boots on the ground. So like I'm, I do this every single day, especially with a focus on real estate, the amount of DMs that we get of people, uh, especially like, uh, of Indian descent saying, yeah, I tell all my friends not to come to Canada. I just had three friends come oh, here, really? get, get master's degrees and leave because India is getting way better at, uh, with their economy and with their job market. So we've focused all of our resources on killing oil, uh, you know, not mining lithium as an example, natural gas, we're not exporting it. We've, we've killed these productive parts of our economy that are so important because if you have a productive economy, you have people who are happy, they want to stay here, they want to contribute. But when you have so much of your GDP locked up in real estate, when real estate goes south, or if it does go south, we're going to have a huge problem, right? It's like if Canadian real estate actually really crashed, it would be like the stock market crashing in the States, right? Because in the States, everyone has their wealth in these companies. Like Microsoft, as an example, has the same market cap as the whole TSX. So the TSX isn't, you know, isn't nothing big, but there's so much billions and billions of dollars in Canadian real estate where we're just not productive. We aren't putting our our, uh, our resources somewhere where it's going to create sure. more jobs, like, like oil and gas. Like it, it's true that we, we are, we are importing oil from dictatorship countries rather than producing it here and exporting it, creating jobs, creating more tax money and creating a better GDP for, uh, for Canadians. So for the, the GDP and, and like net worth tied up in real estate, um, I'm pretty sure last time I looked at some of the numbers, it was something like staggering. I think it was like 70% of most people's net worth in Canada, or maybe even more is tied up in real estate. You probably have more data and information about this though. Are these numbers um, on a relative basis now versus before the pandemic? Or is this really as a result of most people's net worth having skyrocketed from, you know, 100% appreciation on their asset, even though they make 50K a year type of thing? Do you know or... Uh, I don't know those numbers off the top of my head, how much it is, but there's no doubt like people who got into the market like way before this, um, especially before COVID and they sold, like my dad did the the same thing. Like he sold at the peak of the market um, in in a place close to Toronto and he bought it for like 300,000. So you can imagine the return that he made. Uh, Same with my brother. My brother had um, he bought a property with, with a partner. It didn't work out. And he made a lot of money when, when we sold it. And he, what he thinks, what, when I was talking to him about it, he thinks that he's like, I should just buy another property and do it again. And I was like, well, you got lucky once. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to get lucky twice. Right? Like, so that's the, the mindset of Canadians is that like real estate just goes on this rocket ship, which is a problem, right? Because housing yeah, couldn't yeah. be a rocket ship. Like it's, <laughs> It's a necessity. You need housing. It's like, you know, food has gone up a lot, but it's like if food 
keeps going up on this rocket ship, eventually people will have nowhere to eat. And we're seeing the repercussions of it. There's been more homeless people in Canada than ever before, right? So you're, you're seeing sure. a, a drug drug addiction. You're seeing everything rise for the worse because the cost of living has gone so so much up and we're not becoming as productive. Because when you look at GDP per capita, we are so much less productive than the average person in the States. In oh, my yeah. opinion, yeah, it's not there's no funny. opportunity. Yeah, there's no opportunity here other than if you get into there, banking. There really yeah. isn't. Yeah. So so there's a lot to touch upon there. Let's, let's uh, speak about the opportunity thing first. So... Um, so I'm 27. All right. Most of my friends that I've been friends with for forever. Okay. Have like, let's say since high school or even before, um, have finished university and their studies in the past three, four years. Okay. All of them work for the federal government or their accountants, all of them, literally all of them. So when, when you think about that question of the opportunity right and i'm not saying that as that's a bad thing like that that's great if they're going to take the opportunity go for it i just mean from a standpoint of economic output in a country that is where the young people i know are going to work so yeah there's very little opportunity right and i've always been an entrepreneur like my whole life i've always had businesses here and there and the reason why i'm saying that is because Right now, I took advantage of, let's say, a YouTube channel and real estate that happened to do really well during the pandemic and before, right? But I was opportunistic on that and I got lucky because I was doing it in the first place. If I had to restart right now today, though, truly, and I think about this every once in a while, I don't know what I would do. Like, actually, it would be really difficult because there are very, very few jobs, okay? I studied finance and then uh, a bit of, of marketing as well in university one of my girlfriend's friends she's a mar she she's a does marketing it took her a year to get a job she lives in in oakville area right a year oh, yeah. to get a job in her field like that's crazy you know so where do you go there's no private industry here in my region everyone's either a builder like they do construction or they're an accountant or they work for the federal government like, how do we have economic output as a nation if those are the industries? There's no new innovation. There is, but like not not to the same level. No. You know? So, sure. yeah, it, it's really tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Pe people are like, well, yeah. if you had to start over, what would I do? I would go and I would be, I would study coding and I would go try and get a job in the States for one of these big tech companies. The mar the well, margins well are sure. Incredible. I meant in Canada, staying in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, I, I meant staying in Canada. I mean. Like, I, what are you going to do in Canada? Yeah, I would leave. Yeah, I would like, literally leave. And I joke about it. this all the time with my girlfriend where I'm like, if, if shit hits the fan, like I'm selling everything, I'm moving to another country where the cost of living is a tenth, tenth. you know, let alone the US, which would be awesome as well. You know, like I was saying earlier, I was just in Florida and it's like, it's shocking because most people here watch the news on CBC and all that. And they're, they're jaded as to how they think. And then when you actually say how things are, you're a weird conspiracy theorist and you're fucking crazy. It's like, no, I was just at Target in the US and 12 eggs costs a dollar twenty. Yeah. A brick of cheese costs two dollars. A brick of cheese for me is seven dollars at my local grocery store. Like it's, it's crazy. Insane. The it's cost. Insane. It's astronomical. Um, you know, like a, a full grocery, like a, doing groceries over there for, for a week cost us like a hundred dollars in the u.s 130 converted to canadian yeah that here is literally 250 or more in canadian Pro dollars probably it's, it's more wild it's wild and it's and it's, yeah more 
honestly, it's because of we have we are the land of oligopolies. There's no competition in this country. We kill competition. You look at yeah. your cell phone bill. They're, what there's six providers. Your big banks. There's six providers, and and yep. that ultimately it gives them pricing power. Where even the grocery stores, all these stores that you see, most of them are owned by one big one. It's just like it's like Rogers and Fido, like they're oh, the same it, thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure, they're, they're all the no same. It's, right? it's Virgin, Rogers, and Telus essentially, yeah. and Bell. It, there's and like Bell. four. Yeah, it. and it's yeah. why is my phone yeah. bill hundred dollars? It's because they can, right? Like they literally can. Same with the big banks. Yeah. Why don't we have? Why don't we have thirty year mortgages? Because the big banks, they don't have to give you 30-year mortgages. <laughs> they can do, why Why and, do and all your- 25, it's every five years, you know, yeah. max every five years you're renewing it. So like my house is 1.8% locked. And in two years, I'm just going to get wrecked, you know, yeah. <laughs> like literally it's going to be huge, you know, wasn't able to lock in a 30-year mortgage. And yeah, it's really unfortunate, but that's just how it is. And, you know, like, I think a lot of younger people are, are, are getting- you know, their eyes open to this. How, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm you're, 30. I'm you're 30. In your 30s? Yeah. Yeah. Just turned 30. 30. Okay. So yeah. I'm 27. I think a lot of people our age are really starting to realize this, but man, the boomers like absolutely just don't want to hear it. They don't want to no. hear that Canada's going the wrong way. Everyone in my family who's above the age of 40 is just like, dude, you're so annoying. Shut the yeah. hell up. <laughs> Canada's still amazing. And it's like, it's because you have a different viewpoint of it because your house is paid off. And you bought it 20, 30 years ago and you make 170K a year. And mm. you know what I mean? Like it's a different standpoint than people who are coming out of university or who are coming to the country for the first time. And your your group of people that you're involved with aren't people who are, you know, newer or younger and struggling to 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 make something of themselves in the country. But a lot more people are having a hard time doing that in Canada. It's just that you don't see it as much when you're in certain suburbs and communities and stuff but when you're actually boots on the ground in a certain industry like i see it all the time yeah me too so any young person in in my in my area is getting a down payment from their family right there's there's no chance they're and that's if they're able to that's if they're able to so the people that aren't able like people are like you're a real estate agent you want you want prices to be as high as you can so then you can make the biggest commission check my business would triple over well no not necessarily yeah Yeah, my business yes but at the same time if young people could afford it right if if all my friends could get exactly that's what i was gonna say yeah Yeah. i could triple the amount of volume that i do easily but i know so many people that have to rent because they can't qualify for the mortgage let alone get the down payment of you know chris two hundred thousand dollar down payment on a million dollar house no exactly it's tough so so yeah so i usually recommend most people like there's there's so little you can do right like most people want a a, a magic sort of solution there's so little you can do pair up with someone if you don't have a partner and you can't split it that's tougher if you if you have uh if you want to buy a house not an investment property but but i always say put five percent down most people and that's like you can take it or leave it but at the end of the day on a million but well you can't put five percent down on a million but let's say five hundred thousand you put five percent down the difference between saving that, even though, yeah, you're paying a mortgage premium, fair enough. But if you want a house, the difference between saving 25K versus 100K for most people is forever. Yeah, Like literally they won't Lifetime. be able to ever get that. Yeah. And by the time they do, the house will be worth even more. So it's just this cat and mouse sort of game. So if you really want to get in, you have to sort of bite the bullet somewhere. You know, like there's yeah. always going to be something that's not optimal to get in and buy. Um 
For sure. But as long as you're making something relatively strategic that's in your means, then even though it's really hard to see where Canada is going to go in the next 10 to 20 years in terms of housing and, and prices, if it doesn't crash, which hopefully it wouldn't, because then that would be detrimental for the entire country and everyone in it. But if it just continues even going up a steady pace of even one or 2% a year, then there's no optimal time to buy. You just need to... to to have some pluses and some minuses in the deal and just live with those and try to ride through it. And once interest rates come down, refinance, get a lower rate and try to pay down as much as you can. You know, that's yeah, really that, that, you that's do. huge too. Like, especially investing in real estate, it's looking at other markets, basically, right? It's going to Gatineau, it's going to, it's going to Sudbury, yeah. it's going to, you know, we have some people in Hamilton and St. Catharines where the numbers, they, they're tight. Trust me, they're tight, but uh, they make more sense than uh, areas like, Oakville, Burlington, Mississauga, Toronto. I mean, uh, Oakville is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's my hometown. Oakville is it just hurts. completely unaffordable. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. yeah like, it's messed up. You see, you see the area you grew up in, and your the average home is two and a half million, three million bucks, and you're like, I it's probably never going to happen. <laughs> and it sucks, but it's, so uh, question for you because yeah. you're so you're primarily your bread and butter, like for your income, is is real real estate broker. Yeah. So I'm a sales yeah. agent, um, okay. where I make okay. other money. I do own a property and I actually invest quite heavily in, in private mortgages. So that's where, um, okay. some of my income comes in. Yeah. People are like, why do you, why do you buy privates? Um, I like cash flow. I enjoy the monthly check that I get. Um, and a lot of the time, the private mortgages that we do, they're people who just can't get money from the bank, right? They, they want to do something to their sure. home. They want to they, they want to buy another investment property. So for me, when I see that loan to value of 80%, I see the appraisal on the home, I do my homework on it. For me, it makes more sense to put my money there for the time being. And like you said, I don't know Gatineau, Quebec, right? Like the only areas that I really know are the ones that I work in. So when I can make, what can, on 50 grand, I can make about 600 bucks a month in the private market. So That's it's nice. like, That's yeah, good. it's nice. It, it's it's a good return. It, it pays in, into my prec, which is my real estate corporation. It's my business. So I don't pay income tax like I would. Um, and then I really just try and let it compound. Like I really don't touch it. So yeah, mostly I'm a sales agent. Uh, I, I do the podcast, obviously. And then I, I invest in the private side of, of Canadian real estate and second mortgages. And sometimes it's first mortgages, but um, yeah, it's it's I've referred a lot of people along who wanted to buy an investment property. And I was like, Hey, here's another Avenue. I could make, I could go make 10 to 15 grand on the commission, but in my heart, I just, I, I, I can't do it. I'm, you know, these numbers are negative. You're going to be stressed out. Um, you know, here's another Avenue. And that's, go fair. To. that's actually great. Yeah. Yeah. So and you're it's not, a, you know, screwing people and you're trying to build long-term ties where I was going with that question yeah, though, yeah, go is, ahead. you know, c considering that, you know, really, because I, I considered uh, a while ago, hey, maybe I should get my real estate license. It was kind of a slow period for some other things. And then I was just kind of like, well, you know what? I, I don't really want to be, even though I know the market really well, then you're tied to that market, you know? So yeah. would you ever consider moving out of there or not really? Because yeah, how can you apply that to another market? That's the problem that I already, I always saw. Like there's, there's real estate agents in my region that are number one in number one or number two in Canada, they sell a thousand homes a year, right? But they go 
two hours south, there are absolutely no one's, nobody's, no one knows who they are and their business is zero, you know? So you're tied to one region and that's what was always difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap my head around. You're so right. I'm, I'm literally stuck here, um, in my area. I, I, I could go somewhere else and work, but I've built up my business over eight years. So it's, I, I have to start again. One thing that I do know in my head, because you know, if real estate agents become obsolete, AI takes us over. That's always the, the, uh, the scare that, that people talk about. I know how to sell. I, I learned how to sell and I learned how to build a business so I can do it again. Um, and plus, okay. plus I know I manage my money really well. Um, I don't live outside my means like a lot of realtors do. I, I've been, you know, I learned from the beginning because I got into real estate when I was 21. I started selling houses. I can't even believe it. But okay. uh, um, yeah, I just learned yeah, how to yeah. budget and I watched guys like you, right? I like, like talking about finance and I spend every day learning about the economy and stuff like that. And I just, I find money fascinating. So for me, it's, it's just like, it comes naturally versus I know a lot of people just don't care. Right. Like I, I said this on my podcast, a lot of people just, a lot of my friends are like, you know, I'm so happy for the growth that you've had on your podcast, but like, I just don't give a shit about that stuff. And you know, for me, for sure. Well, like, most people don't. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it's and, crazy. And, and, and most people don't care when you get into the nitty gritty when you're of the financial topics. And that's why you know, I'm sure you've had a lot of your success. And maybe not there. I'm just going out on a limb. I'm sure a lot of your maybe more recent success, maybe in the last twelve months, uh, and best reels has been as a result of uh, talking about political issues and stuff that will go and you know touch a lot more people, a larger pool of individuals, and then maybe they'll watch your other real estate stuff and get interested in it. But, you know, whenever I talk about specific real estate investing stuff, like no one really cares, you know, at the end of the day about what's, how, how you're starting to, and this is just like, this is my own experience. You know, when I start talking about stuff like that, it's like, that's cool that you're doing that, but like, I'm never going to be a real estate investor. And at the end of the day, don't really care. So that's the whole game with doing online content. You have to like appeal, even though maybe you want to talk about the nitty gritty financial stuff. Cause it's fascinating having to expand and talk about other things is sort of this game you have to play to attract uh, more viewers. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. and talking about content. politics all the time can become so cynical. Like, Oh, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's a tough one. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot, yeah. people, you know, you talk about politics. Well, a lot of housing is driven by the federal government, right? It's driven by, uh, immigration levels is driven by, I know the bank of Canada is independent, but it's, it's driven by interest rates. It's driven by how many housing starts, like oh, you just sure. said, getting permits. It's very political where, uh, the reason why we've had success, I think is because we say the tough things and yeah, I get backlash all the time. People say horrible things in the comments, but, um, I know that I'm helping more people than I'm hurting because of the following that I have. If I didn't have a following then I would, exactly. I would have stopped this a long time ago, but people find it beneficial people find that that wow there's someone out there who's who's speaking about the tough things and I can relate to that and then you know what in turn I really think I give out way more information for free than I than I I receive so when people want to work with me because of that then it, it pays off because I give I give way more than I ask for but for when, sure. in turn when someone wants to work with me they already know who I am based off the videos that I put out there um, that's where my business starts to see a, a good ROI is when, um, someone says, Hey, I can't stop seeing your face. Talk about real estate, come over and sell my house. Cause I think you're the best person for the job. That's when for it sure. all pays off. Yeah. It's yeah. a lead magnet. 
for real. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. So yeah, do I think I could do that in another place too? If I like went to Gatineau or something? I think so. Like I think if I promoted myself as as a Gatineau realtor in, in a couple of years, I could- I meant more like Florida or something. Yeah, Florida, yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's crossed my mind cause I've been there a, a lot in my life. So I do like it there. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Well just, yeah, just in general. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I still think there's massive opportunity. Uh, it's just the barrier to entry is just that much larger. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of my success, like I I'm not oblivious to the fact that there was luck involved with, you know, buying stuff before the pandemic, which, as a result of a lot of those properties gaining value and we sold them or refinanced them, we were able to take that capital and put it into new projects. Like, uh, you know, people will tell me that all the time, you were lucky or this or that. And it's like, yes, I definitely was to a certain extent, but had I not been interested in money and investing in all that and not taken any of those <clears throat> risks ahead of time, I never would have taken advantage of that, of that uh, appreciation. And then I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, and it's the same with anything in life. Like if you're not, actually implementing then you're not able to be in a position to be lucky and take advantage of opportunities when they present themselves so so yeah bottom line really tough for most people who don't own any assets and i think you know the options are, are really small you have to move out of uh, of major metropolitan areas which if you're not willing to do that then that's just kind of something you're gonna have to live with um and and yeah. be a renter for a really really long time if yeah. not ever and it's only gonna get worse I think so, that's, yeah. I think that's an awesome place to, to, to end this here is, uh, yeah, try, try and learn every single day, you know, get, get financially literate. And, you know, a lot of people that say I live paycheck to paycheck is because you're, you're not spending your time learning. Um, once you kind of dive into the, it's a hard truth to accept, game but it's money. just true. Yeah. Money's a game and you just got to yeah. try and learn it as best you can. So anyways, Griff, thanks so much exactly. for coming on. I really appreciate this. Where can people find you? Uh, mainly YouTube. That's like the main platform. Otherwise, uh, Instagram and trying to, I'm trying to post a bit on, on Facebook. We'll see how that goes, but, uh, everywhere, just Griffin milks, just my, my name. Yeah. Griffin milks. Awesome. We'll definitely have that down below in the, uh, in the description and yeah, Brooke couldn't be here this week. She's away in Florida. So she's enjoying some sunshine. So, uh, it was a I'll perfect time to get you there on. You yeah. Florida. I'd love to have you back on sometime <laughs> yeah. too. And, uh, maybe later, maybe later. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can do something. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'm just going to end the Thank recording you. and uh, we will uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again.